Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. You know, uh... I'm so grateful to the worship team. I think by the time we're done with this message, you'll see what a wonderful job Pastor Will and the team have done. They've preached the message in song before the message is brought to you in word. I hope you'll see that. And if you went back and just made your listen list, your Spotify list, this worship set, your week would be changed. I really think it would be changed in a positive way. So grateful to them. By the way, if you watch the Dove Awards, uh, this week, you could get little sneak peeks of all kinds of people from Bethel. Clear Lady Lowe was down there sporting a pretty, a pretty uh, awesome hat. Uh, Pastor Will was jumping and dancing on the stage with a group of people, youth and, and adults, etc. That was kind of fun. Just a side note. Go back and watch it. If you didn't watch it, you'll see Bethel hiding in the background. You'll see people you know. It was a great worshipful experience. Um, a year ago... Your pastoral team, our pastoral team, we gathered together and prayed about what we should be saying to you from this pulpit for the next 12 months. We spent three days in prayer. We spent three days in focused attention to the word. We spent three days doing nothing else but trying to figure out what should be said from right here. And one of the things that particularly Pastor James and Pastor Bryson brought to our attention was that Jesus is not the center of joy for our world, number one. And number two, many in our world, including the church, do not feel centered in joy in this time period. Following that, the experience of the health pandemic and then the recognition of the racial pandemic, there has been a decline in the overall mental health of our population that is stunning discouragement that leads to despair, that leads to depression, even suicidal attempts is on the rise in nearly every residential center of our country. Conflict, bitterness, division has increased at a rapid pace. Uh, It's evident everywhere, but nowhere is it more clear than when you go onto a discussion board online. We have a thing now that we call trolls. Have you seen the online trolls? We've been calling them that for some time, but now it seems like there's a troll in every online cave, maybe a whole family of trolls. That person who just seems to be lurking in the dark, waiting for some innocent passerby before they can hit them over the head with their digital verbal club. These negative, angst-filled, angry, vitriolic people clacking away at their keyboards, just spewing hate into our minds. We're divided, we're embittered, we're depressed, we're discouraged, we're wrapped up in our own worlds more so than ever. We have the wrong state of mind. That's why we've been focused these last few weeks on our state of mind, because we believe Scripture gives us a prescription of sorts for these states of mind. We started off with Pastor Carol. She gave us this prescription for disappointment that could lead to discontent. And she said, the pill that gets you from 
discontent to contentment is not what you might think. It's calling on the presence of God, living in the presence of God, tabernacling in and letting him tabernacle in you in the presence of God. When you turn your mind to God, things change in your state of mind. And then Stephen Mansfield talked to us about peace stealers. If you were here for that, it was a powerful message. Peace Stealers that are taking away our peace and gave us a prescription for God's peace. Last week, Pastor James talked about that division I was speaking of, that bitterness among us, and, and said you can't just flip the switch from unforgiveness to forgiveness. There's a particular way of praying that you have to engage. If you don't say that prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, forgive them. The same, forgive me, I'm sorry, forgive me the same way I'm forgiving them. It's going to be very hard for you to truly forgive and reconcile from your heart. But when you attach your forgiveness with the way you're forgiving them, boy, does that ever hold you accountable? Why do you make me do that? But this week, I want to give you a different prescription. I think many people would say in our world that we have a very distracted world. Have you heard somebody say that lately? We have a very distracted world. Everybody's on devices and technology and ping this and bloop and bling. And I heard a couple phones go off in the middle of worship and I chuckled to myself. We're, we think we're a very distracted world. But you know what I've noticed? I was standing in Chipotle line the other week thinking about this. And the music is just thumping, right, you know? And there's people up front slopping food every which way and calling out all kinds of things. And there's all kinds of noise and commotion and people walking in and out. You know what I noticed about every single person in the line? They were all very focused on one thing or another. Nine out of 10 of them were right here. Even though a loved one was standing right there doing this. It's not that we're distracted, we're very focused. I think we're focused on the, right, the wrong things. So I wanna talk about your state of mind in terms of your focus, and I wanna give you a prescription for what I feel many of us have is a wrong focus. I wanna give you a pill, actually, that you can take twice a day for the next seven days. And the pill is a verse. I think if you meditate on this verse enough that you almost memorize this verse, if you put this into your heart and life so well that it becomes a grid through which you see your life, your state of mind will shift and your mental health will improve. It's Philippians 4 verse 8. Let me read it to you. Finally, brothers, well, I can't read it to you. I can do it from memory, but if I'm going to read it to you, I better flip open. Philippians 4 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. If you take that verse, put it on a card or write it up on a chalkboard, print it out and put it on your desk, and morning and night, twice a day, the next seven days, meditate on that verse and you fall asleep in the next 30 seconds and don't do anything else with this sermon, it will change your state of mind. It is a powerful verse, a condensed verse pointing to a very singular kind of focus that is different than the focus, honestly, that most of us have. 
But let me just give you kind of the Christianity 101A version of what is standing behind this verse in Paul's mind. I'm just going to give you three thoughts on it that aren't the final thoughts. They're just the thin layer. So for those of you who could only hold on till just now, you're going to go to sleep in a minute. You've got your pill. Take your pill twice a day. For those of you who can hold on five minutes more and focus for five minutes more. I've got the basic Christianity 101A version of this verse. Okay, you ready for it? There's three things. Number one, whatever you regularly consume, you eventually become. Whatever you regularly consume, you eventually become. Now, this is such a simple truth, that it's so, and it's so basic that, that I almost hesitate to mention it. It's almost cliche, and yet I know I need to hear it again. What you regularly consume, you eventually become. And I'm not just talking about, you know, if you eat a Twinkie every day, you might get a little soft around the middle. Uh, that's true. That's true. And if you eat a whole box of Twinkies every day, then you might start looking like a Twinkie. I don't know. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about something more important, something more eternal, the mental, emotional, and spiritual intake of your life. What you regularly consume, you will eventually become. Take this little cup right here, this little thermos, whatever you want to call it. Let's call it a cup. What would you call this? Coffee cup, maybe, cup, whatever, thermos. Now, if it's coffee, we call this a coffee cup. Me doing this is no surprise. No big deal. What if this was filled with acid? That little sip would be a very foolhardy act and would have very disastrous consequences for my internal world over the next little while. If this is filled with coffee, it's a coffee cup. If for some reason it has been filled with acid, it's now a temporary industrial container. Not meant for consumption. And I can flip it again. If I pull all, fill this all the way up with antibiotics, now it's an emergency health transportation device when I'm trying to get necessary medicine to people where they have no health services in some location. Perhaps I might put an antibiotic into something like this to get it from point A to point B in a war, war-torn environment. And now it's something else. What you fill this container with begins to redefine what this container actually is. You see it? What you regularly consume, you will eventually become. Uh, Number two, where you focus your attention determines your direction. Where you focus your attention determines your direction. If you're teaching someone to drive, you don't do this. Now, honey, there's a big box truck coming. Look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. Look at that big box truck. Look at the big box truck. You also don't say, the shoulder's getting shorter, the shoulder's getting shorter, watch the shoulder, look at the shoulder, look at the shoulder, look at the shoulder. Because you know that when you're driving, if you watch that big box truck go by, you naturally want to swerve. Guess toward what? The big box truck. If you want to stay off that shoulder and not fall off into the ditch, you don't keep staring at the ditch. Same thing with baseball. When you're teaching somebody to throw a ball, never take your eye off the target. The moment you take your eye off the target for even a split moment, you're making your throw more inaccurate. Why do we understand something with driving and understand something with sports that we don't understand with our lives? Where we focus our attention determines our future direction. If we are focused on materialistic aims, we will have a materialistic life. 
If we focus on lustful desires, we will eventually have a lust-filled life. If we focus on what other people are able to accomplish and gain by their greed, then we will become ourselves greedy. If we focus even in a different way, focus on avoiding sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Eventually we are saying, don't go in the ditch, don't go in the ditch, and we end up in the ditch. Where you focus your attention determines your direction. So the third thing in Christianity 101, part A, Focus your attention on things that honor God. That's what this verse is saying in its most simple form. Focus your attention. Focus what you intake. Focus what you output on things that honor God. Where is your focus? I know where your focus is today. You've taken a moment to honor God right now. I'm not talking about once a week for an hour and a half. I'm talking about 24-7. Where is your focus? Where is your focus in your free time? Where is your focus in the entertainment space? Where is your focus in your relationships? Where is your focus at work? Where is your focus? I don't think you're distracted. But I'm not convinced we're focused on the right thing. Can I give you a little illustration of how taking this pill has changed me the last couple of weeks? Very simple illustration. So a couple of weeks ago, my family and I, my friend flew me out to Seattle and my family out so I could speak at their church. He knew that my daughter's going to school out there. He knows how much I love her and how much we miss her. So he, he allowed me to come speak, and that paid for me and our family to go out and see my daughter, which just made my month. <clears throat> we love each other. We're a pretty tight-knit family. Uh, but at the end of that trip, we were, you know, at the very last day, and we had one more little thing we were going to do, and we met up with Ella. We're going to meet one of her professors. We're waiting in the car for that to happen, and I'm getting discouraged. It's over. <laughs> It's over. The trip is done. Now I'm not going to see her again until Thanksgiving. And because of that subconscious little minor depression that was settling in, that little grief, I pulled out my phone and tried to encourage myself. I opened it up and went to Google News. <laughs> Obviously, you're not as dumb as me. You're much more intelligent than me. You would recognize right away that that was a stupid idea. You've actually never done it. But I started scrolling down, wearing my left thumb out, trying to find something that's going to salve this pain, that's going to distract me for a moment from the discouragement that I'm feeling. And you know what? I mean, it's really surprising. It didn't work. I'm sitting there in a car. Have you looked at the news lately? I mean, we're on the tipping point of World War III. Uh, famine all over. Uh, let me just talk about what's happening in our world. I'm zoom, zoom, zoom. This verse came to mind, and nothing in that list seemed to match up to the list that Paul is giving us. Whatever is true, whatever is noble and honorable, whatever is pure and lovely, commendable, praiseworthy, excellent, think on these things. I just set the stinking thing down. 
said, I'm going for a walk. Everybody else stayed in the car. I walked out of the car, walked around and started noticing all this world that was around me all of a sudden. And one of the things that seems to be relatively consistent is the creation God gave us. I stumbled on a tree that was just beautiful. You know, in the spring, every tree's a flower. In the fall, every tree's a fire. And I started to move towards not just looking at the beauty of it, but thinking whatever is praiseworthy here is something worth giving praise for. And started studying the leaves and praising God and feeling a prayer spirit well up in me. I was already not focused on what I was focused on. And then I found, I literally, I feel like I found the perfect fall leaf. So I want to share it with you. There it is. The absolute perfect one. Like, I held it up to the sunlight. That's my thumb right there. I can't believe my little phone took that picture. If you could reach up to the screen like you're tempted to do right now because you don't realize the world doesn't work this way and go whoop, 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 and, and, and zoom in, you would see the intricacy of the details of the majesty of God's creation in the tiniest of little pieces of his world. And those trees will be changing colors if God tarries no matter what happens on that news thousands of years from now. It lifted me toward God and my mental state got better. Uh, this last week, I was, it was my day off. I, I don't usually get time to watch a show or a movie very much. Occasionally I do on weekdays, but on my day off, I like to be able to watch a movie if I can. And I went, opened up uh, the, my little streaming platform and started to scroll through looking for something to watch and I'd, I'd just taken this stinking pill. I'd just revisited this verse and as I was scrolling through the streaming services looking for something that was true and honorable and pure and just and commendable and lovely and praiseworthy and excellent I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling I couldn't find something to watch I finally had to change categories I went to the documentaries and scrolled and I found this one documentary that was about this horrible experience that some people went through but the resilience of their character and the heroic nature of these normal people people's actions in the middle of one of the darkest hours of human history. I opened that and I didn't just watch something different. I watched it differently. I was thinking about not just what they did, but how I might become more like they were in my life because I want to focus my attention on the direction I want to pursue. And what was supposed to be just a distracting activity became a focusing activity. And instead of just being entertained, I left more filled and inspired and motivated. Two of the most simple, simple shifts Changed my state of mind. Improved my mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Will you take that pill? Okay, that's Christianity 101A. Uh, how many of you are still with me? All five of you? Great. Oh, there's more than five. It's 15. No. Okay, we're going to go to the next level. You ready to go to the next level? And how do I know if I am focused? How do I know if I've got the right focus, Dave? If you're asking that, I want to give you just an easy test, a diagnostic tool that comes right from this verse. Five questions you can ask yourself to see whether or not the focus input is leading to the focus output that you want in your life. These five, you can write them down. You can take this test in any area of your life and see how your focus is doing. Number one, am I facing the truth? You see, remember that verse of Philippians 4.8, uh, if, if anything is true, 
Whatever is true, and that's focusing on genuine and honest, nothing hidden that isn't disclosed, nothing fake, nothing forced, nothing manipulated. It's absolutely true, but in the moral sense, not just in the factual sense. Am I facing the truth? You know what's true about human beings? We never think about how to prove ourselves wrong. We only think about how to prove ourselves right. Think about the last uh, healthy discussion you had with someone when there was a disagreement between you. Were you focused on proving yourself wrong? Or were you focused on proving yourself right? Very often we don't want to face the truth and as scientists don't get off this hook, actually we're recognizing more in the last 20 years how many times scientists are coming even into the scientific endeavor where you're supposed to form a hypothesis and try to prove it wrong. That's the whole point of the scientific experiment. They're actually coming in with the desired conclusion, designing an experiment to reach that and then persecuting any other scientist who doesn't pursue the same agenda. One scientist publicly on NPR recently said it would have been career suicide for me to study this 10 years ago. I would have lost my position, been unable to receive any grants. It would have been career suicide to pursue the truth and try to, pursue, try to prove the cultural majority's opinion wrong. Humans don't like to prove themselves wrong. Are you willing to be wrong. It's called humility. Am I facing the truth in my marriage? Am I facing the truth in my parenting? Am I facing the truth in my workplace? Am I facing the truth in my free time? Am I being honest about what I'm doing with my money? Is there anything hidden or undisclosed? Number two, am I aiming for honorable? I love this one. I just got to admit, that word honorable, when I first saw it in the verse, just jumped out to me. Something about it I liked. We don't talk about honor very much in our culture, but I love honor. Uh, here's uh, something that we don't do. We don't usually honor somebody publicly for being normal. Have you noticed that? We honor people when they aim for some reason or another above normal. Are you aiming for honorable or are you settling for normal? Think about that for a moment. This is Christianity 101 part B. Are we called to normal? This is a yes or no answer. Are we called to normal? No, we're supposed to be a peculiar people, a holy nation, a priesthood, right? We're not called to be normal. Now, we're not called to be weird either. So it doesn't mean you just got to start being weird all the time, right? Don't go weird, but aim above normal. Am I pursuing things that others would honor if they were ever seen, but I'm doing it in such a way that isn't seeking honor because it isn't honorable to seek your own honor. I'm just trying to do that which is honorable. And if it ever gets uncovered, I'll have nothing to hide because I've been aiming for something above the dirt of normal. I'm inspired by the stars of heaven and I'm not allowing the gravity of the sin of this earth to pull me down into my humanity. I'm allowing the inspiration of God to draw me up into the heavenlies. Are you aiming for what's honorable in your marriage, in your relationships, in your free time, in your workplace, in your ministry? Are you aiming for honor? That's number two. 
Number three, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? Sometimes questions of honor or truth can get murky and we can try to try to figure it out. So I find this question to be so simple, like a razor, it just cuts right in between things and I find it much more quickly when I ask what's the right thing to do. A friend of mine, uh, his name was Ross, years ago, uh, uh, one of my best friends, uh, at the time my best friend, his wife was passing away and uh, she was in the hospital an hour and 40 minutes away and I said, Ross, I'm going to go down and see my friend today at the hospital. We were at church, it was after church, we were in the lobby. He asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm going down to the hospital. He said, I'm gonna come too. I said, buddy, you don't need, need to come. It's a three and a half hour kind of round trip, plus I'm not staying a short time. She's not doing well. This might be the last time I'm with them once she's on this earth. I'm gonna be a while, I know. I'm coming too. Why? This is his exact answer, because it's the right thing to do. A businessman, a very busy person, plenty of competing agendas in his life. He had his own family, kids and grandkids to relate to. He gave up the rest of his day because it was the right thing to do. It's also, by the way, the reason he was employing ex-felons in his business who'd come out of prison and were trying to turn their life around and nobody else would employ them because it was the right thing to do. It was also the reason why he was one of the most generous and serving members of our church because it was the right thing to do. I answered a lot of questions for him. He died a few weeks later digging a ditch in his backyard and I wish you could have been there for his funeral. Somehow answering that question, what's the right thing to do, led him to the first two questions when anything else was confusing and he lived an honorable and truthful life. Four, is my heart pure? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just or right, depending on your translation, right thing to do, whatever is pure, this is coming right out of the verse, I hope you see that. Is my heart pure? Often we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And we can get all the way through the third level of this question and get to the fourth and say, you know what, I'm doing the right thing right now, but I'm hoping I'm going to get something out of it. I'm saying the right thing right now, but I'm shading it just a little bit sunny to try to get that person to think of me a certain way. Is my heart pure or am I somehow slightly corrupted? Is my heart pure or is it leaning towards sinful desires? Is my external world fine but my internal world corrupt? Is my external world pure but my internal world impure? Am, am I in all the way down to the deepest part of who I am pure? Or is there anything that needs to be purified? Five, are my goals worthy? Uh, the end of this verse says anything commendable. The word means things that are worth the effort to gain and then embrace. That's the technical definition of the term. Anything commendable or lovely. Things that are worth the effort it takes to gain them and embrace them. The last part of the verse says, is there any excellence or virtue? Anything praiseworthy? 
You know, there are a lot of things we could aim our lives at and seek them and chase after them and make sacrifices for them. And when we finally end up gaining them, they're empty and meaningless and unsatisfying. I hate to say this, but I think most of America is duped by this great marketing advertising campaign that places at the end of life some golden set of years when finally our lives will ultimately be perfect. So just wait and wait and wait and wait and save and save, invest, invest, because eventually, you know, eventually there in the very last years of your life, something's going to be good. And I've watched life after life after life finally reach the thing they were aiming for and find it empty, meaningless and pointless. One mutual friend of Holly and mine, she, closer friend to Holly than me, is in absolute um, non-functional depression in a mental institution, one of the most successful men you will have ever met. You wouldn't believe how successful he was if I told you you'd know what he was a part of. You would know the name. But when he received all of it and had all of it, it was empty. Are my goals worthy? By the way, I don't just want to be a good neighbor. I want to be a godly neighbor. I don't want to just live nice near people. I want them to be with me when I get there. I want them to be my neighbors there, not just my neighbors here. What am I aiming for? Am I focused right? Okay, so... Some of you, you're just going to take the two pills a day. You're going to get that verse. You're going to try to memorize it. You're going to post it up on your desk or whatever. And twice a day for the next seven days, you're going to take the pill. Yes, nod your head. Yes. Great. So that was the 101A Christianity. 101B Christianity, which I am not too embarrassed to admit I need the prescription just like you. I want to ask you to take this test. Go through and answer it. Answer it for your home life. Whoever is in the home where you live, am I facing the truth? Am I aiming for honorable? Uh, What's the right thing to do? Is my heart pure? Are my goals worthy? Answer this for your workplace. Go through and answer each one. If you need a journal, journal on each one. Prayerfully answer them. Answer it for your free time. What am I doing with my free time? Where is it going? Am I facing the truth about it? Am I aiming for honorable or just normal? What is the right thing to do with it? Is my heart pure within it? Are my goals for that time worthy? Answer those five questions for your ministry, the way you serve the Lord, if you serve the Lord, and, and just see if you pass the focus test. And then all you do again is go back to the same pill everybody else is taking. Meditate on the verse and try to focus your attention on the direction your heart really wants to go. Do you think you can do that? If you do, your focus will change this week. If you do, your state of mind will change this week. Weak. If you do, I promise you, your mental, emotional, and spiritual health will improve. I'm not talking about clinical, psychotic things. If you're schizophrenic, please keep taking your pills. We don't want to hear the way you answer your voices. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this normal hum level 
of degrading that's happening in our culture. Let's elevate. Would you stand with me? I know I've been talking in many ways about Christianity 101A and 101B, but I think there's some people here right now that if you were honest, if I asked you, you would have to say, Dave, my life has not been focused on God at all. I, I don't need just an improvement where you're giving people a little verse pill and, and a question test. I need an absolute change of direction as I'm listening to you. I've got to tell you, Dave, I've got to tell the Lord. I've just got to be honest. Face the truth. Here's the truth. My life has not been focused on God at all. And as you look at it, you recognize that it's not working the way you wish it would work. Is your life lovely and pure, honorable, commendable, praiseworthy and excellent? And you would say, it's not, Dave. I'd hate to have a message like this flit across the screen of your mind and then you take your focus right back to where it normally is. Would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes in prayer? If you would just say, Dave, that's me. My life has not been focused on God at all, and I want to make that change today. I just want you to slip your hand up to the Lord as a testimony to him and allow me to pray for you as well. Anyone raise their hands. Just say, yeah, yep, yeah, let me see you. You can keep them up for a moment. In the back, yep, in the balcony, I see you. In the middle, I see you. All the way in the back, I see you guys. Up at the top, yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I may not have seen your hand. I saw a lot of hands, but God saw your hand. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Whether you've been following God, but you need to return to this focus, or you have not been following God, and it's time you did, would you pray this way? Lord, my focus has been in the wrong place. If I'm honest, I've been selfish. I didn't set out to be, but that's exactly what I've been. I know that I've done wrong. I need your forgiveness. I know, Lord, that when you died on the cross, you were focused on me. And in spite of that, I've not been focused on you. Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me of my sins? Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your presence and enable me to have a focus that only you could help me have. From this day forward, I want to live focused on you. Lord, I thank you for each person who prayed that prayer. I believe that you're already working in their heart and life and you can place in their mind, even right now, one thing to do, one thing so that they can focus on that one thing and take the first step towards you. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for the changed lives that we're seeing. Thank you for the nude, renewed focus that you've given us. I pray that you would go with us and keep us focused on you. May you be the center of our joy this week. In Jesus' name, amen.